From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's a week of Friday, January 6, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron String, and this week's show, the premiere show of the new year, is brought to you by Compassion International. When you sponsor a child with compassion, they will receive educational assistance, supplemental food, clothing, healthcare, education, and training, opportunities for personal growth, and more. Most importantly, the child you sponsor will be connected to a local church and encouraged to develop a lifelong relationship with God. The cost to sponsor a child through Compassion is just 38 bucks a month, and 80% of the money you commit uh, goes directly to the programs that affect your child. Sponsorships not only link you with a boy or girl who you get to know and pray for by name, but you also have the opportunity to develop a relationship with them by corresponding through mail. It's a really cool program. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you actually get to really know this kid. It's such a cool opportunity. I've been I've been on a couple of compassion trips, which I mentioned on a previous podcast. And um, I, on the last one I went on, somebody in our group got to meet the kid that they had been sponsoring That's for so cool. years. Like they had a whole lifelong relationship, and awesome. this is the first time they met. It was very moving. All the tears, all the all feelings. The tears. Yeah. Uh, allow God to work through you when you sponsor a child in poverty and for a limited time receive a free year of Relevant Magazine when you sponsor a child today. You'll receive both the print and tablet versions. Just sponsor a child at Compassion.com forward slash free. That's Compassion.com forward slash free to receive this special offer. You'll be able to search for a child uh, to sponsor by age, gender, country, special needs, and more. You can even search for one who shares your birthday if you're so inclined. That's cool. I think the people who would name their own children Junior will be the ones who do that. Um, Make sure you type in Compassion.com forward slash free to receive the free special offer. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and here with me... In our Orlando studios, hot and fresh, Chelsea Steele. Hello, everybody. That's what she said about herself right before we started recording. Hot and fresh. Uh, <laughs> over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And kicking off the new year, we decided to bring somebody from the future from <laughs> Sydney, Australia. Joining us today is Adam Smith. Hey, everybody. The future is grim. <laughs> I was going to say, you have a sneak peek at 2017 being almost a full day ahead. I, I, I take it that the year is not stacking up very well at this point for you. No, it's uh, it's post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I I gotta Adam. I gotta I gotta be honest. I you know it, it, this is true. I actually looked on Google Earth one day because I was fascinated about Australia. <laughs> isn't like ninety nine percent of it? And this isn't me just being like an arrogant American. Isn't it like ninety nine percent post-apocalyptic? Isn't most of it like the outback desert? Yeah, I mean most of it is just a, a sun blasted wasteland <laughs> patrolled by <laughs> patrolled by you know gasoline gangs. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I saw Mad Max, and that wasn't a theatrical feature film. That was a documentary that they shot about Wagga Wagga Australia. Right. That's right. I love that you threw Wagga Wagga in there. Thank you. We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Johnny Swim joins us. That sounds like something you would call Michael Phelps insultingly. Well, there's Johnny Swim over here. Yeah, look at Johnny Swim over there. <laughs> nice medals, Johnny Swim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they are a uh, fantastic husband and wife uh, duo uh, group that's actually in the new issue of Relevant, uh, yeah. which is coming out now. And that's what you call a segue, Jesse. Coming up later, we also walk you through the new issue of Relevant. Uh, just came out, and uh, Ira Glass is on the cover. It's yeah. an exciting issue. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to tell you about it. Oh, man, that is exciting. I'm actually I'm uh, writing a, a script for this true crime podcast for my, my work, and uh, as I'm writing it, I cannot help but hear it in my head in Ira Glass's voice, and I'm telling you, it is affecting the way I'm writing it. <laughs> Give us an example. Okay, uh, let, me, let, me, let me look at... Let's see. When we end up in these ruts, though, we never give up on the assumption that if we wait around long enough, all those dreams we had will somehow just magically coalesce into reality, even without our active participation. Oh, my gosh. Today on Safest Houses, the sad case of 140 Union Street in Erskineville. That's amazing, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. When, when, when I, I talked to him on over Skype, and at first when, he, when, we, when, we, when we talked, he, he asked that, uh, you know, that I call him back in a few minutes. He was wrapping up something else. And just that little moment was so surreal. You know, it sounded like he sounds exactly like he does on the podcast. Even his cadence. Adam, you captured it perfectly. Of course, you know? Of course he like, sounds he, like he sounds on the podcast. That's his well, voice. Well, I'm talking. saying like he's not projecting like a broadcaster. That's, that's you know, it's just pure and, him. He would even like, oh, so you know, you, on the podcast on. intro. You're saying, or, or, you're saying like, because you think like people like Walter Cronkite and that's mm, the way it was, you know, like, yeah, exactly. that, like he doesn't talk like that when he's ordering his chicken. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. He, well, he, that would be impressive. Right, but yeah. you're saying Ira Glass just in day-to-day life. It's basically, you know, like today at the supermarket, <laughs> I'm, I'm buying soup. But he says that to the checkout girl yeah, as he's saying. paying for it. Adam, in your version of Ira Glass's day-to-day life, he's narrating everything that happens. Basically, I, w- I would if I were him, if I had that voice. But he talks about the fact that like he, he doesn't think he has a good voice. I mean, that was like why he, you know, was behind the boards in his career and stuff. You know, he's not like the traditional radio voice, you know? Yeah. That's what I love about Ira Glass is that someone with that voice became such a, a a famous broadcaster. Yeah. And now like you hear his voice and it's like, you wouldn't trade Ira Glass's voice for anything. Like it's just the best voice, but you're right. Like you would never hear that and think, Oh, that guy should be a broadcaster or or, or him. I mean, like at one point did he go, you know what I need to do? Talk on the microphone, you know, like like, really show the world these pipes. Yeah. Like that would be, that would, to me is like uh, I, the only way that you would cross that line. And if it was me is like, you're the guy, you're the producer, you're behind the boards and the, the talent like called in sick and it was yeah. a live broadcast and there was nobody else who could do it. And so you're thrust into that situation. That, that whole scenario 
scenario you set up there sounds very much like the reason you sit courtside at Orlando Magic games. <laughs> just in case Cameron's the coach can't make it one day. The ball. <laughs> wearing breakaway, uh, breakaway pants. <laughs> that, no, that's why Cameron brings one of those clipboards that look like it's made out of like a basketball. You know, so that he always carries that with him because if the coach goes down, the the only person they're looking for is someone nearby who's carrying a clipboard that had, looks like he could know what he's doing. And and, and mm-hmm. they need a, really a familiar voice that the players will listen mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. a voice that they would respond to because yeah. they hear it all the time. So, well, that guy, he can just sidle yeah, up. Under, instead of uh, basketball shorts and everything under Cameron's breakaway pants and breakaway windbreaker is a suit. Yes. <laughs> a nice pair of khakis. <laughs> That's right. Just waiting to step in there with the, the coach goes down with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that a hamstring injury would prevent him from coaching. I think it's like more likely like an unfortunate potato salad pregame, you know? Yeah. 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 He's just too, uh, because if there's one thing I've learned from pop culture, there's two ways to become an NBA coach. If you don't go the quote unquote traditional route. Right. Okay. That, yeah. that, uh, you know, I, I feel like the deck is kind of stacked against right. uh, the average Joe. One of which is to do what you're describing is to somehow be an understudy and just, or, or, or just present at the moment yeah. that the coach is stricken with food poisoning. Well, that's the thing. The it's like, it's about the, being at the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and yeah. just, opportunity will find you you know i mean if you just you just need to be present you don't have to be perfect mm. you just need to be present you need to be ready yeah and 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 you know the opportunity will present itself mm. that's well, how the, i live the, my the, life yeah well the other the other way is just like in the plot of the Whoopi goldberg film eddie where she wins a halftime <laughs> contest and becomes a coach of the new york knicks takes more playoff run <laughs> You're forgetting the third way is to be uh, a heartless corporate raider who's sentenced by a judge <laughs> to, to coach a ragtag team. <laughs> it's true. Classic. Yeah. It's true. I think that's why Ira Glass got this American life, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, this was, was community, community service. service. They community made service. it in public radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to make you work in public radio and serve the greater good, you heartless corporate raider. That's what they <laughs> no, said. You have to take this that. ragtag team of uh, broadcasters and pull them together <laughs> in time to win the championship. <laughs> well, that's coming up later on the show today. Yeah, yeah. take this ragtag team of SAS like David Sedaris and award-winning reporters and try to craft something listenable. Maybe you'll learn something, too. A hey, bunch, so- bunch of last, last chance losers no one else wants to spend the time on. Jesse, uh, it's 2017, yeah. and we... Uh, you know, typically in the last couple weeks of the year, you know, people aren't online as much. They're family, they're traveling, they're, you know, shopping, they're, you know, they're not sitting at their computers. And so our, our normal, you know, kind of thing that we do irrelevant, uh, is, is disrupted. So we'll do a lot of best of lists and things like that. Even the podcast, we had a clip show Mm -hmm. phone it in is what we're trying to say. (laughs) Uh, I got an email from you on December 31st. Or maybe yes. it's January 1st. And mm-hmm, it said, mm-hmm, oh, by the way, yesterday was the uh, biggest day in our website's history by a large <laughs> margin. Uh, <Yes>. What happened? <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. And then I'm going to save uh, the rest of... Uh, I have some other news on this front uh, from Slices. Oh, 
Foreshadowing. So on <laughs> that day, I was doing as I do, scouring the internet for neglecting your family. Hard hitting news. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I, I retreated to my internet room and <laughs> left the family to their own bidding on New Year's Eve, <laughs> as I'm wont to do. <laughs> yeah, to I'm see, off to, to see. the internet room, woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to see what's going go on. Do work, <laughs> and I came across a st- <laughs> I came across a story that that fascinated me, and I I quickly I, I did some research. I, I had to figure out uh, what was behind here, and I honestly, as you said, that what I ended up publishing. I, I'm building I'm building some uh, some tension here. What I ended up publishing, as you said, was the most popular uh, thing, one of the most popular things we've ever published, led to the biggest day in site history. And I was skeptical at first. I'm going <laughs> to, to be honest. But once I saw some of the Facebook comments pour in, there are hundreds. This, this story <laughs> that we post on our website has been shared more than 300,000 times. There's a lot of people that want to wow. chime in on this. Uh, has has gripped the internet, particularly the relevantmagazine.com <laughs> audience. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. What you just did there, Ira Glass would call it Suspended mm-hmm. narrative. Act one. Yeah. <laughs> it, Cameron, this, this almost, and I, this is not an exaggeration when I say this, it almost literally melted our servers. <laughs> it's actually true. They, there was smoke and overheating uh, coming from our Kansas server farm. Act two, relevant up yeah. in flames. Yeah. So I came across a story about uh, a, a film that was evidently uh, um uh, a popular film in the 90s that starred the uh, uh, who someone who I can only describe as a national treasure <laughs> the comedian Sinbad. Oh. I'm I'm sure you guys are all familiar oh, yeah. with the Sinbad. His purple, his purple leather chaps. Yes, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he, I mean, he was arguably uh, uh, along with Whoopi Goldberg, who starred in the film Eddie, which he becomes the coach of the New York Knicks after winning a halftime contest, one of the biggest stars of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sinbad was everywhere. Are Here's we going here now? I thought this was your slice, no? No, no. Oh, yeah. Let's let's save it for slices. All right. I, yeah. okay. but can I say, though, to your point, Jesse, like about him being the biggest star in the 90s, and he was. I love, I don't know why, but I love the fact that there are some people in pop culture that collectively we hit a certain time and we're like, eh, that'll do, you know, <laughs> like, like Oliver Platt, Oliver Platt, was in, he was in everything in the nineties. And then sometime around 2000 as a culture, we we're just like, that's enough, Oliver Platt. <laughs> so uh, hold on. who's vulnerable for thanks that right for now? Thanks. Do you, what, 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 do you, you think Holy Shore? Polly Shore, you're right. Okay, we got it. Uh, like he's everywhere. Vern. He's everywhere. And all of a sudden it's just like, we're done. Sure. We're done here, man. And then we're there's just here. some people like, you know, like Aiden Quinn. Like Aiden Quinn is not in anything in, anymore. In the 90s, he was leading man material. And then it's like, no, I think we've made a mistake here. John Cusack. <laughs> the guy from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But that was for Rick Moranis. Family, See, that was, for that was intentional, though. Rick Moranis oh, retired right. from acting. Rick Moranis yeah, I, would still be right. the biggest star in the world. <laughs> well, not by stature, but if by reputation. Right. Yeah, it would be. Right. You, got, you got Clooney. You got Sandra Bullock. You Moranis. got Rick Moranis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the Mount Rushmore, so it were, of acting. Yeah. So, so you're cool. So, Cameron, this is an interesting hypothetical question. You said so. So, we we understand what this strange role is in pop culture, where yeah. everyone just at one moment yeah. collectively decides to, to shake the yeah. shake this individual's hands. Well, it's almost a like, pat on the back. It's that movie, babe. That'll do, babe. That'll do. <laughs> exactly. you know, thank you. Thanks, exactly. Rick Moranis. That'll yeah. do. 
Uh, one heck of a run there. That'll do. Um, <laughs> and, and it wasn't like they went down in like flaming glory. It was just like one day also, everyone just But decided. it's also not a George Costanza go out on a high note. Like it was a premeditated, mm. I'm going to leave him wanting more. It's just everybody just collectively exhaled <laughs> and said that'll do. So, um, yeah, so, it's like we collectively came to our senses, you know. Like, <laughs> they did too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, around, okay, now I'm done. Yeah. The year 2000, we're like, Oliver Platt, what were we thinking? My question is, who, who we're in the midst of it. So mm. the thing is, is you're blind to reality when you're in the middle of it. Right. You can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. So if we're in the middle of it, what are, who are we vulnerable that we're kind of like oversaturating and we're just going to collectively go, okay, that's enough. Um, Chris, I, I'm worried about Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris Pratt's Chris a little, Pratt. I love Chris Pratt. I do too. I I'm really just, do. But I'm willing to bet he's going to be one of those guys. that's like, why is he not in stuff anymore? Mm. See, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a I notch agree. lower, uh, because, <laughs> well, and I guess, I guess, you know, Chris, I do see what you're saying with Chris Pratt because he's like everywhere. But the thing is, a one note guy, you know, and I think a lot of these people have a similarity where they're basically playing themselves every time. But I could see like Kevin James, his TV show getting canceled on CBS <laughs> like James. this week and us never hearing from him again. Like basically Kevin James just disappears off the face of the planet and no one would really remember for, until like two years know. from now. No, Hold one on. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the reason why Kevin James is always funny. Like Sinbad, while great in his, almost like Eddie Murphy's stand-up specials and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like it was like it personified a moment in comedy. Sinbad like personified yeah. this moment in comedy. Like Kevin James never reached that pinnacle. Yeah, He's just always above average. He's never been great and then like <laughs> fell off. Like he never peaked. And I think yeah. the thing about yeah, Sinbad is he peaked. Mm. You know, He's kind of like Starbucks coffee where it's <laughs> yes. just... In yes. consistent consistent. mediocrity. Consistently, <laughs> I smile, you know? Mm. I mean, I sadly, watching Grown Ups 2, which holds up oh. better than Grown Ups 1. <laughs> uh, uh, the quarry scene. That. The quarry scene. I keep telling people. It's I, great. I'm, I, TBS has been playing Grown Ups 2 for some reason, that 1 a.m. Friday mm. night thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, they don't play Grown Ups 1, but they'll throw Grown Ups 2 in there every, every month or so. And I'm telling you, it's not as bad as you think it is. And it's because of Kevin James. Like, it's well, like, King of Queens. But I feel like that whole movie is cast with people who are just survivors. Like, if there was a Hollywood comedy totally. nuclear, if there was a Hollywood comedy nuclear war, the people that would claw their way out and refuse to die are like Rob Schneider, Rob Schneider. Rob David Spade, mm-hmm. David Spade, Kevin J. That whole crew, yeah. they're unkillable. Yeah, they're, they're, they're much like cockroaches you know? that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cockroaches. They are, because they're completely unkillable. Trends can change. You know, the movie formats can change. Everything can change. Those dudes are not going away, despite however bad we want them to. (laughs) I'm wondering what history will say about Jimmy Fallon. Ooh. Oh, I well, don't think it will be kind. I don't yeah, either. Really? Yeah, I don't either. I think I think what we're seeing in time is that uh, as enjoyable and refreshing as his approach to late night has been, it's one note. Yeah, it gets yeah. old. And the note I, is I getting I have to say, I, I turned on him a long time ago. Yeah, me ago. too. I've never wow. really been a fan. Do, 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 you yeah. think, do you think he is basically this generation's Jay Leno? Uh-huh. Oh. No. Mm, I, I don't think he's even Jay Leno. What? <laughs> Why? Uh, I think he's okay. If I'm going to go on my Jimmy Fallon rant, Please. I think he's <laughs> sycophantic to the point of being almost unwatchable oh with God. his guests. And number two, I think he spends most of his time 
trying to impress upon us how talented he is rather than giving the spotlight to his guests. It's like, I know you can sing Jimmy Fallon. Let Bruce Springsteen do it. You brought him here to do this. Yeah. Just shut up for a minute and let him do it. I, I, and I think the, the people, I think the shtick, the happy, everything, silly shtick, like you're jump the shark you're so awesome, during the election guests. Mm. When, when Clinton yeah. and Trump were on there, yeah. I think collectively America went, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You think so, the hair tussle, yeah. the Donald Trump hair tussle. I think that'll was, be his, the moment that we look back on. But, like, uh, but I think that that is the absolute perfect, like the perfect personification, the perfect snapshot of everything he's about. Yeah. And always has been. Yeah. And it's like, well, you liked it up until now, but it's like, cool, but like, but we all grow and evolve and, and mm. change and morph and, and add layers in our life and our, you know, things. And it's like, we love this refreshing different approach to late night mm -hmm. what more do we got where is it going and yeah. then like yeah. oh where it's going is the, the presidential candidate's on there you're tussling his hair i think that'll be the bcad moment for for his uh trajectory on late night yeah you're saying that is his sinbad's house guest <laughs> the last, the last we were, like, he was with phil hartman wow it was funny it was funny it was good but he followed up with first kid and that was basically a made for tv movie i mean i see what you're saying <laughs> so i can't wait for slices that's gonna be exciting well moving yeah. the show along uh it's time we've got two weeks of content it's time for our look back at what happened this past two weeks wow. in culture and entertainment <laughs> it's time for in case you missed it well, in case you missed it, uh, this past week, the Passion Conference has been happening in Georgia. Um, let, before I say the in case you missed it, I want to say something that came up in conversation today about Passion Conferences. There's this, there's this thing. Uh, if you heard Alec Baldwin's conversation with Questlove on his podcast, uh, where Questlove was talking about how um, the, there's a moment where, you know, like... He was he was in the he was in the early two thousands. They were making a film about hip hop, and they were filming uh, the Roots was part of this film. Mm -hmm. And and he said, "There's this moment when an artist in their career where they've reached the pinnacle, and then they go away." And mm -hmm. so like, you know, you build up to this big event or with an artist like this, like you're part of this movie chronicling your importance in hip hop. And then like, he's like, while we were shooting, there's this young up and comer in the room called Kanye West and all the young people in the shoot <laughs> were like freaking out. And like, and then all of a sudden he's going, I'm realizing our career's over. Like we're being documented. We're not part of the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, we hit the top. There's and then you go away this week right. of, of uh, yeah. career ending. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Quest was talking about that and they made conscious decisions as a band. Like, what do we do? Cause right, that was the Dre era and there was a lot of like, it, they just weren't fitting in with where hip hop was going at the yeah. time. Anyway, yeah. very interesting. I, so I liken that to like, you know, arena events or movements. They, you know, you, you kind of have, you know, 5,000 people and then next year they have like 15,000 people. And then on, it's like building promise keepers would have been in the Christian <laughs> world, something yeah. like this. And then you're filling a football stadium <laughs> and then, been there, done that. Right. Well, okay, it culminated. Yeah. It won't yeah. get better than the this. Oliver, mm -hmm. it, the Oliver Platt of conferences. Correct. <laughs> and like I experienced it at its best and then it goes away. Mm -hmm. It just yeah. goes away. Yeah, last time there was like two youth vans at the uh, Acquire the Fire and they were broke down from last oh, year. No. It, yeah. <laughs> so so, the, so this week, Passion was happening in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome. Mm -hmm. 55,000 college students were there. And Passion is the one thing the outlier that i can think of mm -hmm. that has not peaked and regressed mm -hmm. they have had 
50 to 80,000 college students every January consistently for the last decade. And they're raising millions of dollars for social justice. And they're every, every event is like, well, it can't be better than this. Mm. And then next year, it's just as full and there's just as much fresh energy. And it's, it's crazy to me. Like the, I don't, the only so by re- Jesse's, by Jesse's metric, they're the David Spade of conferences. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing to me is like, it hasn't like peaked at 55,000, 60,000 and then regressed to a mean of 25 yeah. ongoing. It's consistently packing a football stadium. Yeah. And it, it, it's just such an anomaly and it's a remarkable thing. And even this week, even though I wasn't able to attend, I just saw only positive stuff about what God was doing in there and how mm-hmm. exciting it was. And that brings me to our first in case you missed it. Uh, in case you missed it this week, Crowder was performing on stage at passion conference and out comes country music star, Carrie Underwood. K- country star. music superstar. I mean, she's yeah. arguably one of the biggest names in not just pop music, but country music for sure. And she came out and let Jesus take the wheel. And uh, she led. Uh, that's my only country song that I've ever been able to reference in my life. Thank you. Hey, you, uh, you were waiting for that reference for this moment, weren't you? I it mean, just came to really, mind. I mean, it worked perfectly. Uh, anyway, she she took the stage uh, with Crowder to perform her song "Something in the Water" in front of you know the fifty five thousand people. Uh, it was the opening night of the worship conference. It was amazing. Um, here's a clip. In case you didn't know, or in case you missed it, uh, she's, you know, the former American Idol winner has been very open about her faith. It's a constant theme in her music. Uh, she grew up singing in the church. Uh, in 2015, she told People Magazine that she plans on raising her son in the church as well. Uh, she said, uh, we want to go to church, not just for lessons and learning, but also to have a community and be surrounded by people who are just trying to raise their kids up good. <laughs> so there you go. Carrie Real Underwood. Good. Carrie Underwood, everybody. It's crazy. Uh, in case you missed it this week, uh, Mark Zuckerberg announced that he's no longer an atheist on Christmas weekend. That's timely. Uh, he posted <laughs> a message to his followers, wishing them a Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah. Uh, after he posted the comment, a user asked, but aren't you an atheist? And then Zuckerberg said, no, I was raised Jewish. And then I went through a period where I questioned things, but now I believe religion is very important. Uh, he even then made a lighthearted joke about faith when a user asked, but why uh, Facebook doesn't notify that it's Jesus' birthday today. And he replied, you're not friends with Jesus on Facebook adding a smiling emoji with a halo. Look wow. at him using his tools to their utmost. <laughs> wow. Um, He's like, I'll finally get to use this one. <laughs> hey, hey, Cameron, that emoji is his Jesus take the wheel reference. He was waiting. He's been waiting all these years for that. Um, for years on his own uh, Facebook profile, he self-identified as an atheist, but he later removed the religious re- uh, preferences field from his own about me section. Last year, he and his wife met with Pope Francis to discuss ways that technology could help the poor and told him, quote, how much we admire his message of mercy and tenderness and how he's found new ways to communicate with people of every faith around the world, adding, it was a meeting we'll never forget. You can feel his warmth and kindness and how deeply he cares about helping people. So there you go. Mark Zuckerberg now is just 
open to spiritual <laughs> things being possible. What, How wonderful. D- Mark Zuckerberg is interesting because he's arguably on a short list of the most powerful people in the world. Yet, you know, it's easy to forget he's like a 30-something Mike dude. Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> 90s Sinbad. 90s so Sinbad. Hayek. <laughs> Yeah. So much yeah, 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 and of course David Spade. I mean, they are the Illuminati. <laughs> uh, but it's easy to forget a dude like him is still just like a regular thirty-something dude that jokes around in Facebook threads. You know, that was my favorite part about all of this—that he was even interacting with just a casual Facebook user. Yeah. Uh, in case you missed it, Wes Anderson has announced details about his new film, Isle of Dogs. It's um, uh, like Fantastic Mr. Fox. It uses stop-motion animation and features a lot of talking animals. Uh, not a lot of details about the plot have been revealed, but that's not why you watch Wes Anderson movies. You watch them just for the pictures and mm-hmm. how pretty they're yeah. shot. Um, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just like two-hour Instagram montage, basically. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it's it's going to tell the story of a young boy in Japan who goes on an adventure while searching for a missing dog. We do know that. Uh, like most Anderson movies, it has an incredible cast, including Ed Norton, Scarlett Johansson, Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton. There's a name in this list that I specifically added because I think you're going to have a, a stake in this film coming out. Cameron, continue. Okay, Ed Norton, Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Yoko Ono, Bob Balaban, and a ton of other notable names. <laughs> Bob Balaban. Yeah. Don't you own a, a, a very valuable Bob Balaban website? Well, I certainly hope it's valuable because I have <laughs> borrowed a lot of money <laughs> based upon its future earnings. So. What is the Bob Balaban URL that you do in fact own? It's BobBalafans.com. <laughs> so this is a you're squatting on a hypothetical fan site for the op, for the actor Bob Balafans. That's right, Jesse. If he had been squatting on a on, on a Sinbad fan site, <laughs> you know how much uh, programmatic ad revenue he'd oh, be raking dude, in you'd this be week. A millionaire. All you can hope is that some weird conspiracy happens with Bob Balaban in the wake of this film <laughs> release. <laughs> Your payday yeah. is coming. I need something about Bob. Balaban to go viral. Hey, yeah. ha, ha, what is on Bob Balafans right now? Like, what do you have up on that site right now? Um, as of right now, I don't have anything because I just wanted to get the URL so that I could offer it free of charge as a gift <laughs> to Bob Balaban. You need because to put- I am such a, a Bob Balafan that <laughs> I, I thought, you know, it's obviously an oversight. That you, he doesn't own this. You need and to at least. I want to make sure. I want to make sure I get to it before some like unscrupulous squatter gets to you it. Need to at least put, to charge him for. You need to at least put one of those striped barricades with the flashing light gifs. <laughs> yeah, with know. the little yeah, the little the little guy digging. Yeah, the little <laughs> shovel saying under construction yeah. from 1997. Uh, hey, for the next <laughs> month, uh, Wes Anderson fans can even enter a CrowdRise raffle to voice one of the dogs in the movie with all the money raised going to preserve motion picture history through the efforts of Martin Scorsese's Film Foundation. Um, we should nominate 
Ira Glass to be the voice of one of the dogs. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, <laughs> or, or I mean, he would be he would be a non traditional voice, but I mean, he shows. <laughs> well, he's you know what, what would happen is Rick Moranis is scheduled, mm. and and as Ira Glass is wont to do, is he just hangs out around studios in case the primary talent can't make it, <laughs> and um, and then he sidles up, and then all of a sudden he's a famous broadcaster. So there Cameron, you go. I, I have a conspiracy based on that comment. What's what that? are the odds that Ira Glass slid over that planned host that was going to host Ira Glass, or in this case, Rick Moranis, uh, some rank potato salad and said, here, I made this special for you. you know? <laughs> hey, before we need to lube up those vocal cords, have some potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't realize he left it on the uh, dash of his car for the last mm. uh, few yeah, hours. He, he calls that maneuver glassing the competition. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you're telling me glassing the, the competition is just giving them rank rancid potatoes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing about potato salad, you can't tell what's going bad because it always tastes terrible. So it's really the perfect crime. I mean, it's got botulism. It's they work. I'm glassing the competition. Four, four vats of potato salad. The movie I Love Dogs <laughs> with, with Rick Moranis and Ira Glass or not. I don't know. Releases sometime in 2018. Um, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Lauren Daigle performed live worship on Good Morning America. She sang her hit singles, Trust in You, Come Alive, and Jesus Take the Wheel. As the GMA <laughs> hosts pointed out, the Grammy nominee has not one, but two chart-topping Ooh. albums in the past two years and is one of the fastest selling artists in Christian music in the past decade and Billboard's top Christian artist of 2016. Crazy. Here's a clip of her GMA performance. We love Lauren. I we still take full credit for her success. So there you go. Absolutely. And we demand yeah. it too. We don't just take it and state it. We have been demanding it from her. And now yes. we'll demand it from the host of Good Morning America. We, we actually sent them a cease and desist letter. Yeah. I would hate to see any of them get glassed in the future. <laughs> hey, look, hey, look. Relevant just sent us a gigantic vat of potato salad with a sticky note that says, eat up. And it has a winky emotion emoji. <laughs> This is this is quite nice because I was hungry. I hadn't eaten lunch today, so a winky emoji with a halo over it. Yeah. You know, I got that from Zuckerberg. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the, in case you missed it, the trailer for the upcoming Shack adaptation has reignited a theological controversy. A big screen version of the book from author William Paul Young doesn't hit theaters until March third, but some pastors are already speaking out again with some going as far as calling it heresy for its depictions of God. The trailers show Oscar-winning actress Octavia Spencer and Rick Moranis portraying God, the father, and the <laughs> film's version of the Trinity, who takes the human form to comfort a grieving father, played by Avatar Sam Worthington, uh, standing in for Ira Glass. Uh, Spencer addressed the casting controversy in an interview with USA Today, explaining, it's like, oh my gosh, someone's playing God, but people have to remember it's a manifestation of God, how the character sees God, not necessarily how or who or what God is. Last year, William Paul Young explained in an interview with Goodreads that he wanted to challenge people's ideas about the character and nature of God with his work of fiction, even if they got angry. He said, at least with an angry person, you can have a conversation. 
I live my life that way. Uh, because when people are upset, <laughs> something in them is being challenged enough to raise their ire. And that's an engaged process and opens up the possibility of really great conversation. I love the questions. I love the conversation. I think it's our way forward. There you go. Cameron, I should note on this one, it's the movie The Shack. And I was confused for a while because I thought this was the Shaquille O'Neal biopic that was causing quite the stir <laughs> theologically. That's, uh, that's honestly immediately what I thought. Yeah. 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 So you thought that they cast Octa- Octavia Spencer to play the role of Shaq, and that's why the controversy yeah, I, ensued? I was, I, well, I was confused where the theological element came in, but, uh, you know, I'll say this, I'd be very interested in seeing this film. <laughs> the theological element would be the actual genie movie that actually existed in reality, Shaq's Kazam. That's right. Uh, all right, well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Listening to Rye. The song is Wildlife. You know about that. So good. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard X, Y, and O, not P or T or anything like that, just X, Y, and O with Low Tide. During the break, we were talking about uh, The Shack and uh, William Paul Young, the author. I was up at a, at a lodge in British Columbia with, with him. Uh, and I was like, oh, he's the heresy guy. I mean, that's like, that's like I know. I knew <laughs> all about he's him. Known. Was, what, hey, Cameron, can I ask you, because of that quote, was he trying to anger you the whole time just to get in a conversation with you? This guy was <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> he was the biggest like rowel rouser. Stuff. I hate he the He would try to magic. get everybody so mad because then at least then we could have a great conversation. <laughs> mm. He would just keep trying yeah, to make everybody mad. Please tell me it glassed him by the end of the weekend. Because <laughs> that's about how long it takes to spoil that potato salad. I mean, it's pretty durable if you put enough sodium in there. So, I mean, you need at least four days in the sun. Yeah. Well, it's the same trip where I had Cohen with me and he got a splinter running barefoot on a boardwalk. Wow. And, um, and it got pulled out. The splinter got pulled out. My inconsolable four-year-old was <laughs> treated by uh, Ace Ventura director Tom Shadiak and, and Cohen... Cohen called him Dr. Tom the rest of the week. Dr. Tom. You may, you may also remember the, uh, the other faith-based movie that was branded heretical, the shad yak. The shad yak. Well, that's why that came to mind. When we were talking about the shack, I had that trip and the author of the shack was on this trip. And then Tom Shadiak was on the trip and it all just kind of morphed in my head mm. like Shazam and Kazam and Sinbad and, <laughs> We're all victims here with our <laughs> yeah. brains misremembering movies is all I'm saying. Yeah. And with that, it's time for slices. <laughs> That's what you call a segue, Jesse. What do you have, Jesse? So uh, as we alluded to earlier, uh, the site, the, the story that blew up our website was about a Sinbad movie that everyone claims to have seen, or at least mm-hmm. a lot of people have claimed to have seen, but has never actually existed. Uh, the movie in question was supposedly called Shazam. And the theory goes among the people who, who with 100% certainty say that they've seen it is that a version of a, of a genie comedy in which Sinbad, the, the, the 
90s actor uh, is discovered in a bottle, comes out in genie form, and helps a young child. In this pl- in the plot that's going around the internet, and, and some people distinctly remember the plot, and even scenes in the movie, he helps this kid's parents get their marriage back together. Uh, so the theory is that Shazam, starring Sinbad, came out just before Kazam, starring Shaq. Sort of an Ants, Bugs Life situation. Uh, but Kazam <laughs> was the, the, the Shaquille O'Neal knockoff. Now, here's the thing. No evidence of this movie existing uh, is is anywhere. There's no old VHS tapes. There's no photos. There's some Photoshop uh, uh, hoaxes that people have sent around. But Sinbad himself has claimed that he has never been in a genie movie. And I've been investigating. I've been going down this rabbit hole. Uh, I spent, you know, most of uh, the holidays, actually, uh, the New Year holiday, deep in thought about this. I've been reaching out to Sinbad's people. Curiously, they're, they've been avoiding me. I, I Obviously, there's something to hide here. But there is no evidence anywhere that this movie has existed. Now, I want to go around the table real quick. Okay. Chelsea, you claimed you have seen a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad. Yep, sure have. <laughs> Cameron, I, but- I, I recall seeing Sinbad as a genie yeah, me in too. something. Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. Same. I, I feel like you guys are just confusing it because he wore colorful things in big pants. <laughs> he <laughs> well, did wear genie-like Sinbad, pants. Which is completely a well, genie Sinbad name. was the name of yeah. a DreamWorks animated early <laughs> 90s movie about a Middle East genie oh, right. named Sinbad. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is an animated movie called Sinbad about a genie from the early 90s. And the premise that everyone thinks that movie is about is a pretty generic... 90s but I still movie. feel like I yeah. mean I don't I don't recall this movie the way that Chelsea and Rebecca and other people do mm-hmm. but I do recall seeing him dressed as a genie see me okay. too that's that's what he, I th- at one point he was on a a sketch on Keenan and Kel like their sketch comedy show where he played a genie but that was only like for like two minutes of screen time here is what here's what people on our own Facebook thread have said this this guy named David said just ask here okay this is what's creeping me out here okay because I get it that there's a lot of things that could be confused but this seems like a massive collective false memory here's here's what a guy named David on our Facebook page said just ask a co-worker if he remembered the movie Shazam without hesitation he said yes with Simbad wow. okay that's like you, the way you delivered that is like he saw a ghost like in, <laughs> okay okay time, time out time. this guy had no context he actually turns around to co- he reads our story he reads our story right. he's baffled right. he turns to his co-worker and says co-worker have you seen Shazam and he just answers point blank with Simbad that's too much of a coincidence. Okay, here's someone else. True. Here's someone else. When I saw the commercial for Shazam, I remember thinking, that is ridiculous how close that is to Shazam. What a <laughs> ripoff. There are tons of these. This person says that they swear they recorded it on the Disney well, Channel. I can understand, you know, how we've all forgotten Shazam given the runaway hit that Kazam was and how it swept the Oscars that year. I read a comment from a guy who claimed, this guy's in his 50s, okay, who claimed to run a blockbuster video at the time and Shazam was so much more popular than Shaq's Kazam (laughs) that they carried two copies of Sinbad Shazam but only one of Shaq's Kazam. Wow. These, These memories seem too specific for everyone to get wrong. I think there's some kind of, I think we need to be open to the possibility that this movie existed, but for reasons that we may never know, has been disappeared from pop culture forever. 
Interesting. So, so there are some real people's crying conspiracy, but others are just labeling labeling it the Mandela effect. Exactly. So, right? so there there is a, a phenomenon called the Mandela effect, and it gets his name from people who believe they remember hearing that Nelson Mandela died in a South African prison back in the eighties. Like they have that specific memory, which of course we all know that's not true. You know, he went on to uh, you know. Uh, very prominent political career and just died back in 2003. But there's a lot of people who say they remember back in the 80s hearing that he died and can't believe that everyone got that memory wrong. It's called the Mandela Effect, but that's not the only time it's taken place in pop culture. I'm going to quiz you guys on a couple of things to see if this collective false memory with these other items exists amongst our cast. Okay. Cameron, do you remember a show on HBO that starred Sarah Jessica Parker? Yes. What was that show called? Sex and the City. It's actually Sex and the City. I, that's what I said. Sex and oh, I thought the you said City. In the City. Mm-mm. Sex and the City. And I just okay. didn't enunciate my duh. Interesting. Sorry. I would have got a, that lo- wrong. a lot of people yeah, are. I have the VHS <laughs> box set. Come on. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so you actually see it all the time. Okay. How about this one? Uh, uh, Oscar Meyer. Uh, Adam, how is Oscar Meyer the hot dog spelled? I, it's M-A-Y-E-R? That's right. It, it is M-A. A lot of people are, are could have sworn it's it's E. All right, how about this one? Chelsea, is the Monopoly man wearing a monocle or not? Uh, he is wearing no, he's a not. monocle. No. You're no, kidding. No Who is? The peanut no, guy? The peanut guy's monocle. Wow. Uh, Monopoly man has the cane and the top hat, I but he's got the big wrong. mustache. A friend, yes. maybe? Wow. You can't have a monocle and a mustache that big. Interesting. It would, yeah, it would, the hairs the would get trapped up underneath the glass. Yeah, and you're, you're, seen, no, you're right. You're kind of over-accessorizing at that what point, even for a guy that's <laughs> running with a gigantic bag of money. Yeah, you don't, you don't see the peanut running around with a mustache and a monocle. But he, he does have a... He would have had a plain face. He needed the monocle to give you some visual... Jazz it up. Yeah, but that's because peanut can't grow facial hair <laughs> right but that's the point that's why he had to accessorize in another way yeah it's like for me i can't grow a beard mm. so you know you just glasses. gotta they gotta do glasses <laughs> yeah i mean if i could grow a beard i would i would just walk around blurry vision all day you know <laughs> okay chelsea a, a beloved uh, children's book series about a, fa- uh, a family of bears what was that who what was that series called the berenstein bears berenstein bears it's actually Bernstein the burn stain with an A at the end. The yeah, burn stain, stain bears? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Jesse, yeah, you I'm, I'm are you. caught up in all kinds of heresy right now. Yeah, I remember E-I-N rather than A-I-N. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah it's actually A. I, I, I'm closer to having read those than you all because I had a young son. Right, and right, so right, right. I knew that it was stain. And, and I would enunciate it very intentionally for him so wow. he didn't grow up ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember it as Baron Stain bears because i remember the cartoon show and then pronouncing it that way but i still thought it was spelled e-i-n yeah it's actually taught him how to pronounce it by you know pointing out all the stains that he causes and like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna call you a baron stain bear and shame (laughs) every time you dribble something on the carpet Mm -hmm. it was a shame mechanism yeah yeah. now cohen cries every time he sees anything bernstein bears related and or anything bear related anything bear related yeah Okay, how about this one? Kit Kat, does it have a dash or not? No. No dash. I go no dash. You're correct. It has no dash. <laughs> okay, how about this? Okay, one more, one more. Because you guys are kind of disproving the Mandela effect, <laughs> making the Sinbad thing all that much more mysterious. You're really blowing this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> really blowing this. Of course he had a monocle. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea, a peanut butter brand that starts with a J. Uh-huh. 
that I just have to say the name of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeffy? Cameron? Jeff? Jeff or Jiffy? I think it's Jeff. Jeff. Adam? Oh, Jeff. gosh. It's just Jiff. There is no Jiffy peanut butter. What? A lot of people claim that they've <laughs> always remembered Jiffy peanut butter. Again, uh, Cameron and Adam are really blowing this N- Nelson, <laughs> <laughs> this Mandela effect thing. Well, but it's th- this is this is one hundred percent because of the, I think the most compelling and plausible theory I've heard about all this is that, uh, you know, the many universes theory. Uh, in physics that there are all these different uh, universes that are coexisting. One of the theories behind these false memories is that at some point we live in a universe in which two parallel universes <laughs> converged. And so part of the people, you know, some of the people who are living in our universe used to live in an alternate universe that mm. has since converged with ours. And they still have the memories of things that were slightly different in that so, universe. Isn't that what Westworld's about? And, <laughs> it's like every episode of the yeah. Twilight Zone. So that explains, why Cameron and I are, it explains why Cameron and I are doing so well, because we're from this universe, but Chelsea is from the other one. Yeah. Okay. In yeah. Chelsea's home universe, Sinbad, we never got tired of. Shazam was a huge hit, and he's still top of the world. He's, he's you know, we, we no longer are wondering if he's still alive. Rick Moranis uh, is actually president. Yeah. 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 You also yeah. have to remember that I own almost every Sinbad movie because my dad did buy the entire inventory at Blockbuster. So. My, my, when, you, when you say Blockbuster, you mean the bin at Rite Aid when they were all taped right, together right, right. with scotch tape for $4. <laughs> my, my mom loved her some Sinbad bad comedy that, that clean <laughs> raucous comedy yeah. so like i am blazing in my head from the 90s is his stand-up specials where he had the the patent leather purple chaps yeah me too and the neon blue chaps you know what was uh, weird a lot about of that chaps. comedy special i think it what? was called son of a preacher man because i remember it was on heavy rotation at comedy central at one point and i remember it was clean and i could watch it too do you remember he had dance routines right in the middle of the comedy special <laughs> yeah. like he would stop telling jokes and do a whole choreographed routine and like it wasn't weird no i mean that's uh, he's uh, uh, he's uh, he's kind of Sammy Davis Jr. kind of uh, entertainer on all spectrums. Mm. He can do comedy, do a little song, a little dance. And but but the thing just, is, they weren't comedy dances. They weren't no. sketches. They were well, just, they were, we're going to stop telling jokes. That was just Sammy. This That's is, what Sammy did. He sang real. He crooned well, <laughs> and then he would tell a joke. He's kind of like the Mark That's, Lowry, the Mark Lowry of comedy. But, but the thing is, it makes it less weird if you're singing. If you just decide to put, if you're mm-hmm. like, okay, everyone needs a break from these jokes that everyone is enjoying. We're doing a full hour here, and every joke's killing it. I'm going to dance for a while. While. In yeah. hindsight, maybe, that maybe that's why we really stopped liking wanted. him because everyone kind of agreed that was a weird move on his part. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know if we can trust this guy like, anymore. When you're sitting there, when you're sitting there in the audience uh, watching a comedian, and he's kind of a you know a, a doughy guy, you know, the thing you think is, man, I really want to see that guy dance. But yeah, because the thing, yeah, and he, he, he looks light on his. Feet. I, he has. He would have background dancers come out, and he wanted to like wow. show you. It's like Jimmy Fallon. He wanted to show you how talented how he is. He you know, like look how good I. I'm as good of a dancer. Wow. I'll blow your mind right now. But at yeah. least Jimmy Fallon has the courtesy to try to tie it into a comedy sketch. It's mm. not like in the middle of his monologue, he just starts dancing. That's the true. thing, the thing I think that why we all left Sinbad behind is because he sort of. He tried to normalize this out of context dancing and nobody was comfortable with it. That's true. You know, it took us a while to realize it, but everyone realized this is inappropriate. And if this is catches on, it's going to throw all of society out of whack because in any situation, people could just start dancing and it just makes it weird for everybody. So maybe that's why, maybe that's why we just kind of shelved him in our, our, our collective unconscious and forgot about this movie called Shazam that evidently never existed.
So uh, this has been percolating. If you go deep in the Sinbad Twitter archives, he's been talking about this for months. Really? Yeah. Because back in early October, he somebody uh, somebody was like he had, had been a point of conversation at that point of you've played a genie somewhere and a, a username H A Potter uh, solved the Sinbad genie mystery and Sinbad tweeted this. Apparently he hosted an afternoon of Sinbad, the sailor movies in 1994 and he dressed as a sailor, like with the head wrap yeah. and the poofy pirate yeah. shirt and stuff. And like, that's the image that a lot of people remembered him looking like a genie yeah. from this one afternoon of hosting these movies. That's what he thinks. But there was a picture that he, he spread of it, but here's the deal. Yeah. Sinbad to, to tie this up. Sinbad says, okay, for all you people who think I did a genie movie, well, I haven't done one yet, but am going to do one so we can close this chapter. Here's the deal. I don't know that there's that many people offering Sinbad a genie movie. <laughs> so what I'm thinking is going to happen is he's going to glass somebody. He's going to dress up as a genie. He's going to sidle up to a movie studio with a big old vat of potato salad uh-huh. and just see if he can sidle his way into a film. Uh, good call. Well, like, so, someone they, like The Rock. Because they are constantly <laughs> making genie movies right. in Hollywood. It is the most common genre. Yeah, I was going to say, I was say that all, these, all these genie movies on the dock. No, no, it's a, it's a 20-year cycle. So you got the Aladdin genie of mm-hmm. the early 90s yep. you add Kazam of the early 90s Shaq. so we're due for a genie revival the retro nostalgia well, space jam redo type thing yeah. mm-hmm. genies are coming back Sinbad's <laughs> gonna sidle up with his potato salad and glass everybody wow Cameron one I got another theory he's grossly misreading this situation like an inappropriate dance break in a comedy routine he's offering to give people a genie movie they don't want they're just saying they remember it they're not saying we want you to make one he, he's just, this, this is his problem from day one lack it's of awareness we said we didn't think you could dance we're just saying we don't we, we're, no one's asking you to do it in the middle of some great jokes here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're missing just got a lack of here, awareness man. Yeah, no yeah. one's asking for the genie movie this isn't this isn't this isn't hundreds of thousands of people coming to our site to tell us how much they want a Sinbad genie movie. <laughs> this is hundreds of thousands telling us that they've seen one Sinbad. <laughs> I'm trying to do me a favor here. This is the dance thing Although all over again. Disney is remaking all these, all their kind of 90s uh, cartoon hits as live action movies. So Aladdin is certain to be on the docket somewhere. I think we start a petition right now that Sinbad gets that part. Hey, Adam, if only we had a website somewhere with a pre-existing fan base, all, all, you know, be it another actor, that we could get this petition off the ground, I think we finally found a purpose for BobBalafans.com. <laughs> it will be the home to our petition to kickstart a genie movie. Starring How amazing would it be if the URL BobBalafans.com was nothing but a campaign to get Sinbad to play the genie in the live action Aladdin movie? No so, mention so of Bob So we, so we, get, we get all these signatures. We get all these signatures of people, and, we, and we, we, we are spamming up every Disney executive with BobBalafans.com, even though all it has to do is try to reboot Aladdin starring Sinbad. It's very confusing. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to BobBalafans.com, the site devoted to making sure Sinbad plays the genie in a live-action Aladdin All right. What do you have, Chelsea? I mean, how do you follow that? Um, by, st- by stopping, like putting a period on that sentence and starting a new sentence. Great. Yeah. That's how. 
Well, there's a new virtual reality toy on the market. Um, as you know, this last year has been very big for virtual reality goggles and headsets. Um, they've earned their place in the mainstream marketplace. Um, everyone's trying to find a new way to make virtual reality experiences more real. Well, now you can forget just seeing and experiencing another world. There is now a virtual reality shoe that you can buy. Um, it's called the. This is real. Real, real quick. This is this, this is, is real. The, this is the Jimmy Fallon Donald Trump hair tussle yes, of the virtual, virtual reality. reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the peak. This is where everyone realized virtuality might be kind of lame if I got to wear special shoes yeah. for any activity. Let me say this: any activity that requires special shoes is inherently lame. Exhibit A: bowling. Exhibit two: golf. Continue Chelsea. Exhibit three: virtual reality shoes. Um, I mean, you got to wear cleats to play football and baseball. You don't have to. I, I can go play out in the street. If I'm bowling, they're not even letting me in there without. That's true. Me, you know? All right. Uh, they got right. a whole rental desk. So, so what does this virtual reality shoe do? Does it just kind of squeeze and massage you like a shiatsu thing? Um, well, one woman tried them and said that she tried a plastic prototype paired with a VR headset and okay. said it felt a little clunky and unfinished, but the effect was noticeable. Uh, the different vibration patterns felt reasonably close to what you'd expect walking through the snow or sand. Oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I guess you could like walk around, uh, like hypothetically, you could be on some sort of like treadmill and actually walk through the game instead of just like using a controller sure. or something. Yeah, because that's what you want—a bunch of people with goggles strapped on their face walking around. <laughs> you know? Can, can I admit something? Uh, can I admit something embarrassing? Please do. This whole time, Chelsea, when you've been talking about a virtual reality shoe, what I assumed you meant was a pretend shoe that you put on a virtual reality headset. And you're like, oh, wow, it's like I'm wearing a shoe. <laughs> like you look down at your, fifth, your foot. You're like, this is the lamest virtual reality game ever. I just try on shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I, I bought like, this $500 Oculus. <laughs> well, now you don't have to go to the mall and try on the shoes. You can virtually see how there they look go. on your feet. Actually, it's not, a ba- it's not a bad idea. I'm, I don't think we're We don't need to be shipping that. shoes back and forth at Zappos. Just give everybody some headsets there you go i i heard another you like if there's call like combat games you could like kick the opponent uh-huh. but to me we've all been down you guys obviously remember the nintendo power glove yeah <laughs> i feel like what how is this different than the nintendo power glove it's just a, a, a lamer more expensive version yeah way more it's a thousand dollars right now oh I just don't. Per shoe or per pair? Per pair. Right. Which I still don't even <laughs> see that anyone investing super in. lame. If you played VR games and you only had one, one so you could only do games <laughs> where you jump on one foot. There's like one VR game out there where the entire game comprises of you jumping around on one foot after oh, no, you try it's on just a bunch shoe. of a bunch of uh, just karate kicking. That, that's all you can do. It's just a karate game. Apparently they're working towards making it feeling like you can even experience splashing water or jumping in a puddle. In wow, that's so exciting for <laughs> VR. <laughs> But what at, at what point are they going to make like a vest or, or are you just going to get in like a virtual reality suit? And then we I mean, just realize the purpose of like experiencing virtual reality. If you have to put on. Yeah. Why don't you, you do I mean? They should just make a tank. Just a, just a, <laughs> you can buy like a human aquarium. You can have your home. You crawl in and it, all the sensory, you know, is like electronically manipulated and you become this other augmented reality. Well, I mean, isn't that just the pods in the matrix? Yes. That's what I, that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's next. Yeah. yeah. At least they look more dignified, even though they're like shriveled up in those pods. At least they're not wearing goofy plastic VR shoes that they paid. There's no way. These for. look like a combination of a, like a snowboarding boot and a Birkenstock. 
There's no way these will ever take off. The whole time you guys have been talking about this, all I've been thinking about is how we can now devote uh, BobBalafans.com to (laughs) the act of virtually trying on shoes so you don't have to go into the store. (laughs) You go to BobBalafans.com and it is the internet's premier site for virtually trying on shoes. So so Adam, here's your pitch to people when they go to Bob Balafans. And, and, you know... <laughs> that is, that is uh, supposing they get the new one, not the old Sinbad Aladdin. Okay, so they go there. Well, the Sinbad petition is a pop up. Yeah, uh, when you first yeah, get there, no, I've, I've already four hundred one that. Okay, that's so out. people go to bobbalafans.com dot com, um, right. and uh, presumably the first people on board with this home try on program are actual Bob Balafans, our fans of Bob Balafan that just stumbled <laughs> well, onto the site. If we know anything about well, the Bob Balafan fan base, uh, Bob Balafan fans is that they are discerning shoe connoisseurs mm. and so i mean if you go to any bob balaban's uh, autograph signing <laughs> uh a phenomenal footwear phenomenal, phenomenal footwear in the crowd there. yeah i would i would say look if it is predominantly fans of the actor bob balaban then it's that's a number one coincidence uh and number two <laughs> an entirely understandable coincidence because who isn't a fan of bob balaban well, that's right <laughs> Right. So that's you're just saying, like saying you, you, are might, all your you, you might as well have the greatest URL ever because it encompasses every all of humanity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this okay. universe, yeah. 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 Exactly. In this universe, in another universe, Bob Balafan is a uh, a hated dictator. <laughs> <laughs> in another, he sputtered out after House Guest with Phil Hartman. We have- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, an exciting development from the tech world. Uh, CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, is going on this week. So that's Chelsea's beat on what's happening in uh, tech. Uh, uh, what do you have, Adam? Okay, so uh, you know, Christmas has just passed us, and uh, it's the uh, we've all been in the spirit of giving. And uh, one of the things that a lot of people like to do at Christmas is they they like to think of the people who are a little less fortunate and uh, give to some charities, some worthy charities, right? Uh, so in uh, England, some charity stores there have uh, noticed a, a bit of a bizarre trend in some of the uh, the items they've been gifted over the holiday season to uh, you know to to give to less fortunate people. So some of the gifts that have been given to uh, charities, according to the Charity Aid Foundation, over the this Christmas season, were a 19th century vase valued at nearly three thousand dollars. Wait, I have a question, Adam. Is the this isn't like I'm giving it to like a, a pawn, like a thrift store that's going to be sold into the money. This is actually for the less fortunate. Like I'm giving you the vase to 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 be you know part of the home of someone who presumably needs money. I, I look. I would like to think that, but I think it's the former. Okay. I think it's okay. people giving it to you know a charity shop. Okay. okay. Like when you donate your okay. car, it's not like they're handing the keys to the less fortunate. They sell the car. Right. And they're selling the, it yeah. and then right. giving the money to the less fortunate. I think the right. beneficiaries right. in some of these situations should get the choice of whether they get the money or... I think so, too. I think so, too. I think you should be able to go into any Salvation Army and be like, either, you know, I can receive some form of financial aid or I can just kind of pick anything in the store that catches my eye. Um, another one, the, an original Kermit the Frog 
used on the Muppet Show. What? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. The one Who with had the one with house? the Who the, had that just sitting around? Yeah. The, the, was um, it the one with the cape, the dark, ominous one, or the? No, happy he has one? he has the monocle, Cameron. You're oh, remembering that's it wrong. The one. That's <laughs> the one. Yeah. And and as we all remember, voiced by Bob Balaban. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ira Glass is just sitting right outside the studio right now with that of potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm going to get this Kermit gig one way or the other. (laughs) Um, uh, Also, uh, a sheep's head, uh, a live ferret was one of them. Um, I, I love. How do you? I mean, how do they think that? Like the Salvation Army is going to sell that, you know, like you're just going to put it in one of those big wire bins in the middle of the store with a price tag on it. It's just giving someone a You can buy this Gen 1 Xbox for $15 or here's a live ferret. (laughs) I think it's the same consumer, frankly, for those two items. (laughs) Yeah, people that are in the market for a $15 first gen Xbox have a lot of weird rodents in their house, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, fer- ferret people do tend to fit a type, don't they? Like they, like the type of person that is like collecting an old Xbox for parts. I- I'm pretty sure has a terrarium somewhere in there. Um, another one, uh, a prosthetic leg. <laughs> so, I, uh, was it a virtual reality it, leg? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, you look down. It's like, hey, I got a leg. I want I um, I feel like there's a story because I, well, it's only one of two things. It's it's that. That leg was acquired by, you know, illegal means or someone upgraded the leg. Because where else would you get a prosthetic leg from? You know, like they don't just become available. If you upgrade your prosthetic leg, though, when you like when I get a new pair of glasses, I keep the old pair just in case, you know, if I break my new pair of glasses, Mm -hmm. I've got that kind of old pair that I can fall back on, you know, in an emergency. Wouldn't you you do the same with the prosthetic leg? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, I'd be curious if a prosthetic leg came through the door, exactly how that leg was acquired. But, you know, the Goodwill, if there's anything I understand about their donation process, it's no questions asked. If, if, a, yeah. if a prosthetic leg came through the door, I would be terrified that it was walking under its own power. <laughs> that would be my first question, is how is this haunted prosthetic leg moving? And then you realize that Sinbad was a genie right outside, yeah. and he was yeah. throwing a trick on everybody. Yeah. So it was it was fulfilling a young boy's wish. <laughs> Sinbad, for my first wish, I'd like you to get my estranged parents back together. For my second wish, I'd like you to animate this prosthetic leg. <laughs> Adam, now now that you mention it, I you are describing the exact plot of Shazam as in my memory. I remember the latter half of the film took a weird turn. It was about a, a inanimate prosthetic leg that just came to life. It was weird. It was a weird yeah, movie. The, I can see why people it, don't like it. It's odd. It's like when it starts, you really think it's going to be about getting the kids' parents back together, but that only takes up about the first 15 minutes and the last 90 are just about that prosthetic leg moving. Yeah, the so. first 15 minutes, he uses his genie powers to get back together. There's about a five to 10 minute long wedding scene, which seems a little bit long. The rest is all about this prosthetic leg. It just made, it just, made little sense. Just pulling hijinks. Well, not even in. He's not even in the last hour. No, it's just the leg. And that's the thing. Is you, I think probably one of the reasons that this movie has been a bit forgotten is that it seemed a bit like false advertising. Really, it should have, all the advertising really should have centered around the prosthetic leg. 
Well, maybe he was uh, setting it up to do a, like a groundbreaking, like the world has never seen it, dance number with the prosthetic leg. Yeah. <laughs> he just forgot to come out because he had some bad potato salad off screen. So, and so, so he couldn't make it out. So the leg just kept going. You're thinking of like a phenomenal tap dancing scene where, where, where Sinbad, yeah. it, it, the tap it's a Gene Autry, Ginger Rogers sort of situation with Sinbad. Yeah, like, yeah and he'll do a few moves, leg. then the leg uh, does a few, few moves, you know, back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Well, tit for tap. The movie was actually originally called A Leg Up. Oh, no. And, no. and focused more, you know, the, the advertising focused more on the leg, but they thought they needed star power. So well, they brought yeah, Sinbad I mean, at this point, in at the Sinbad last was minute. ascending his fame, yeah. And of course, some studio exec stepped in and said, "No one's going to watch a ninety-minute mo- movie that only stars a prosthetic leg." We got to get Sinbad attached to this thing. Well, that, and that that uh, that wise producer's name, Bob Bellavan. Everybody, so. yeah, but but that that is why Rick Moranis left uh, Hollywood. He's just in utter disgust, utter disgust that uh, he wasn't able to see through his prosthetic leg movie to its, its full vision. Oh, man. Oh, we've had some weird runs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. in, in our 12 years of doing this show. <laughs> this is the only one about a movie about a, uh, that only stars a prosthetic leg that happened to be donated to uh, a good world. And animated store. by the genie Sinbad. Um, <laughs> that, that, that forced Rick Moranis into retirement. Uh, well, executive producer Bob Balaban uh, forced Rick Moranis into yep, retirement. Yeah. That's how it happened in my universe. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest thing you guys have ever bought at a thrift store or pa- or or a DC Talk double are. platinum album for Jesus Freak. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. I got it from okay. Goodwill. Yeah. Wow. No one's going to top that. So. I have to think on that. I bought some weird things. I told the story of what happened to my cousin at one point, right? Where he, he rode his bike to the thrift store um, <laughs> to purchase some things. And at the time, he, he was, you know, at a point where, you know, this was you know, he didn't have a lot of money at the time and uh, he got around with this. The the one nice thing he had was his bicycle. He parked it out, uh, out front and he's like walking around looking for things and he hears over the loudspeaker, whoever just dropped off the Trek bicycle, thank you. It was sold immediately and, and like the cashiers started <laughs> clapping because it brought so much in so much money and it was literally his bicycle. Oh like that is the true story. He had no way to get home. Like they thought some generous person just came in and dropped the sweet bike right off by the front door. It, I mean, he, he had no recourse. I mean, the person wrote it off, so no, you got to be careful. Press charges. I would have called the cops. There's no way. <laughs> you can't just well, walk around God. and scoop stuff off the sidewalk. I mean, you have to. There's well, a well, donation they got, the person process. Paid for it. They paid for it. They thought they it was a, it was a just a, a screwy mix up. No, I mean, <laughs> they, they make, Adam. Here's what I'm saying. I think you have to George Costanza it and just take the credit as though you're really charitable. <laughs> I think yeah. what I think happened with that prosthetic leg because I don't think it's possible. Oh no! Someone oh, no. <laughs> oh no! No! I think Adam. Here's my theory. And oh, no. I know this is going to rub people the wrong way, but this is actually what happened. I think a person with a prosthetic leg went to the Goodwill. And he he had to try on some clothes, and it was just easier to take the leg off at this oh point. And lean, lean it up against the outside of the dressing room. Lean it against the outside room. of the dressing room to know yeah. that it's occupied. Yeah. Okay? So yeah, now yeah, he walks yeah. in on him, trying yeah, on all a, a pair It's of a sock on the doorknob. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, it's a prosthetic leg, and it sells immediately. And, it, like I said, he just wants to, like, people believe he's very charitable. These mix-ups happen all the times with prosthetics. What's, what's more puzzling to me about this story is how, like, who 
the buyer was who immediately snapped up a prosthetic <laughs> like, like the second it leaned up against that dressing room door. Oh, I was just what I came for. It was an old timey Hollywood <laughs> choreographer who was working on his dream movie with uh, it was a, a groundbreaking dance number with Sinbad. And the corduroys were a good fit, though, so it wasn't all this. I mean, you got a good <laughs> well, they kind of were baggy on one side, yeah, you know, I mean, they kind of yeah. dangled there. A bit, but, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Johnny Swim. listening to our next guest, Johnny Swim. The song is Drunks. Johnny Swim is the husband and wife singer-songwriter duo Abner and Amanda Sudano Ramirez. And they create soulful, pop-friendly ballads with Americana flair. If you listen to our Top 50 podcast recently, we named their new album, Georgia Capond, one of our favorites of 2016. There's an article on Johnny Swim in the brand new issue of Relevant, which we'll tell you about in the next segment. Um, but in addition to that article, which got into how they met and uh, the death of Amanda's mom, uh, who is music legend Donna Summer, and, and so much else, uh, we wanted to have them on the podcast today to talk more in depth about their new album, about Georgia Capond, about how they make music, and about the specifically uh, the stories behind the songs that they created. Our very own Rebecca Marie Flores recently spoke to them when they were coming through town uh, after one of their shows. Here is part of her conversation with Johnny Swim. to work through creatively now than we ever have. Yeah. Because there's deadlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean? And I'm like not, like he'll, I'll be like doing dishes or whatever and he'll be like, hey babe, let's write this song, sing something to this. You know, and I'll be like, I'm doing dishes and the baby's crying, you know. Right. And like, I'm like, I'll schedule it. Like, like tomorrow during his nap at 2.30, why and don't I we sit down? Schedules. And he hates scheduling. <laughs> so that's like our biggest thing now is like finding the balance of like, you know, being spontaneous and, you know, but also... The balance like, of spontaneous and schedule and structure. Exactly. Cause I never dreamed that I'd meet somebody like you No, I never dreamed that I'd meet somebody like you No
have so many voice memos and I think most of our songs actually come about that way. We're, this album for sure. Yeah. Like where one of us will just write down a line or write down an idea or like sing a, like a small melody or something and it just sits in the phone for however long and then when we're like, oh, okay, let's write today. Like we've got some time. Let's like write some stuff and we'll just like get together and go through all the voice memos. There's a like, buddy of ours we write with a lot, Britton Newbone. So we all, the three of us will sit there and we'll just all go through our voice memos and Britton will play something for us and we're like, no. Or we'll play something like, yeah, yeah, let's get on that, whatever. And then I have a, uh, on my Evernote, I just have a list of song titles or concepts or ideas mm -hmm. or whatever. And uh, I'll just start reading through them. Yeah. Like literally just blah, 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 blah. They're like, oh, that's cool. And then we'll just start. <laughs> that's awesome. We'll just go for yeah. it. Like, what are you excited about? Oh man, so George Capon, I love that you asked that. Uh, Diamonds was the product, for sure, of almost a decade of, of labor in secret. And not knowing if anybody was gonna pay attention to it or care about it. And, and it was just like very, I was, I was kind of nervous, it was my first time producing an album. And so in the studio, I would just, if I was insecure about the production of a particular song, I would just add more stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, thank God it was, you know, received well. Loved it. We get to keep working, keep doing what we what we do. We don't have to go back to Starbucks or PF Chang's yet. And uh, but Georgia Capond was much more deliberate than Diamonds. There was the songs were written more deliberately. Diamonds, you know, you my buddy Matt Carney. You get ten years to write your first album, but two years for your second. Yeah. You get ten. What is it, ten years for the first two years to repeat? And so I was excited going into Georgia Capond to have to to have to make the album. But I think there was a sense of determination, one, because of a deadline, sure. Mm -hmm. But two, we had gone through so much through the process of diamonds in our personal lives, losing parents, losing grandparents, life, losing some friends, relationships changing. Diamonds came out of this sense of like, all right, I need something to hold on to. So we wrote a lot of hopeful songs, wrote a lot like the song Diamonds. We wrote a lot or of hopeful just songs. Depressing because, songs. Or just oh, full on like what is life songs. Yeah. These songs on Georgia Capond were written because we had to, they're like medicine to us. They're like therapy. The writing of them was therapy. The, the recording of them was, the recording of the song Georgia Capond and the song Take a Night that I will never forget because it was so magical. It felt like I was in a movie. It felt so beautiful. There was something, there, there's a sense of purpose in Georgia Capond that I've never felt in music before, in, my, in our music before. So it's just at another at another level. So I'm I'm excited to see if people to see people connected with that and feeling that sense of purpose and feeling that you know the songs that we needed to write because they help us heal the songs we needed to write because they make us smile because we needed a smile you know. Heaven, Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> so we were in Nashville. We had a, a writing session with a guy named Chris Stefano. We we never met him before, and we were you know getting ready for him to come over. So we we're like, we should have some like ideas, or like you know we should work through, go through our voice memos, and have some have some things so have that we don't ready. end up just like you know. I think especially when you don't know the writer that you're working with, you like 
you want to make sure that you give it some like structure because it's for your record you know you give it some ideas because it's for your record so that they don't come in and just like have an idea and then you're like oh wait that's kind of their song you know yeah. you want it to to be real so so he was sitting at the piano and I had Joaquin like just on the floor playing with toys and he was just you know kind of toying around on the black keys go ahead literally just playing the black keys because I don't know how to play piano uh-huh. and so I was like man there's it can't be that hard to write a song on the piano. This all sounds pretty. Why can't this just be a song? So I, I did that. It's all right. That feels right. Now, you know, what am I going to sing? I don't know what to sing. So I just look over to my right, and Amanda and Joaquin are sitting on the floor playing. Joaquin's laughing and slobbering everywhere. And Amanda's just so happy and kissing him. And then and I didn't process the lyrics. I just literally sang, All I see are angels. All these streets of gold that lead to you. Like, it just felt like literally I was in heaven. Like, the thought in religion is that all this is for later. Like, sacrifice your now, because eternity, in every religion I feel like it's like that. You got your paradise, you got your heaven, you got whatever. Make all the necessary sacrifices now, because the afterlife is really where the, where the treasure is. And I kind of hate that concept. You know? Like, you I'm, hate, you hate the, that people just... I hate, yeah, I hate that... that just live for that. that as I hate the idea of just that, living for later. Yeah, that kingdom here now can be a thing and that God gives us... Oh, we're cool. just getting by. The, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's yeah. like, no, God's giving you like things now. world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. I'm just yeah, yeah. going to hide in a cave until Jesus comes back or whatever the concept would be. But to like, like recognize... Right, culture, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like recognizing when like God gives you little bits of heaven here mm-hmm. and, and, and it almost feels like a portal. You know what I mean? Like it almost For sure. feels like a, a portal to see more of him in those little areas if you notice them, you know? Jim James. The song is Here in Spirit. That's how I am right now. Is his name James James? Jim James? You just blew my mind. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. Well, it's the new year, and part of what makes that exciting isn't just fresh beginnings, resolutions, you know, uh, hope. The new issue of Relevant is out. The January-February issue of Relevant uh, has hit newsstands and mailboxes nationwide. We normally do our new issue preview uh, a week or even two weeks ago Mm. um, to build anticipation. Mm. Uh, But because of the holidays and the best of and all of that, uh, we're doing it this week, the first week in January. Uh, So this is more of a new issue walkthrough Mm -hmm. versus a new issue preview. Yeah, New year, new you. Right. Yeah, so you if know, you have the issue in up. front of you, yeah, yeah. Sure. read along. It's going to be like reading Rainbow. <laughs> we are. And like, yeah. and we're going to go better. when you're supposed to turn the page. <laughs> Everybody should go get their issue of the magazine. Take a look. And get it's that magic book. pin that goes. 
Oh. Like as you would like, you know, start on page 96. I had that as a kid. Get some did snacks. you really? Yeah, Get I did. Some snacks. There's a real thing? Uh-huh. I always you wondered. You follow along with the words. No yeah. way. And then really? hit the, the button or like the thing in the corner that signaled that you were done and it would turn the page. Can I just say, I never had that and this is the first time I'm hearing of it, but it sounds like the lamest toy ever. <laughs> like, so cool. Oh, cool. Cool, a reading toy. <laughs> with, 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 Give me a pair uh, of rollerblades, please. Yeah, I a snap it. bracelet or something cool. A snap bracelet. Gak. <laughs> Remember Gak? Gak was cool. It was like a slime <laughs> that you could throw around. LeVar Burton anyway. was cool. He had those Star Trek glasses. And Chelsea would just be sitting, little Chelsea you're nerdy reading there pen. Her, reading little, away. Re, little reading pen. <laughs> you still got it. It's at her, her desk. Her parents would ground her from reading <laughs> for this punishment. Yeah. That book doesn't have enough words. <laughs> um, so the newest development. Uh, uh, oh, by the way, welcome to... We, we booted Adam for this segment, yeah. and we are welcoming in our editorial director, Aaron Hambury. Hello. And our managing editor, Rebecca Joe Flores. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, and Chelsea's here still, and hey. Jesse's still here, Yo. and we have a very full crew. Um, the newest <laughs> Irrelevant is exciting. Uh, we've been doing a this magazine a long time, and um, there's a few reasons why this one's exciting, but uh, Jesse can attest to the fact that over the years, there have been a few people, uh, we call them our Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore people. Of, of names that are just like, we relevant need to talk to this person. It would just, I mean, it just hits on every level. Uh, they're fascinating. They're, you know, uh, the many layers to what the conversation would be. And the conversation we would have would only happen in our magazine. Mm -hmm. Uh, we can't always get these people, but eventually we keep chipping away, chipping away. And, and we've had some success lately. And, uh, the person carrying the cover of this issue is one of those people. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've been fans of for a long time. Ira glass from this American life and podcast and radio broadcast pioneer Ira Glass um, is on the cover. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. And we've gotten a ton of feedback. Yeah. Just people being like, oh, I'm excited to see Ira on it, which we generally, I mean, we get a lot of feedback on, mm -hmm. I think, any issue. Finally, a middle-aged white man on your cover. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. such a big audience for middle-aged white people men. People also think it looks like an aged They're having a drain. comeback, you know? Yeah. Did you know that? I, I, I will say this, though. There, there are two, <laughs> like, there, there's one thing of, like, talking to someone you really want to talk to uh, that the audience wants to hear from. Mm -hmm. And then there's something where you've talked to one of those people and they have a lot to say Absolutely. about faith. And they have a lot of interesting ideas about uh, the intersections of faith and culture. And even though Ira Glass himself is an atheist, his thoughts about Christianity, his thoughts even about the teachings of Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, I think thought were really profound and it was just really exciting to be able to have that type of conversation because really I don't really know what other outlet would or could with uh, a figure like him uh, mm -hmm. so yeah it was uh, you know he was able to uh, give us a really fascinating interview and some really um, you know profound insights into mm -hmm. you know his ideas about faith making culture and the ability uh, for faith to speak into it. Some of the uh, people we go after to interview for the magazine are scared of the fact that yep. we at, are at the intersection of faith and culture. Mm. Ira, when the request got to him, said absolutely yes, because, because we yeah. are awesome. at the intersection yeah. of faith and culture. Well, and he's got yeah. such a fascinating take. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, in some ways, he's like the definition of what you think of as like, you know, Northeastern elite types. 
but his whole thesis is in the circles he's around. He thinks people are Christians rather get a bad rep. Totally. And he's, so he just told us, he was like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stuff going on about the Christians cause this or that or the other. Mm-hmm. He's like, but all the Christians I know are nice. So I don't know where the disconnect is. And that's kind of what he wanted to talk about. Yeah. And I, I, also, I know, a, I know a lot of mean Christians. I'll introduce <laughs> them to him. Yeah. I mean, if you're yeah, on Twitter very on. much or post, yeah. uh, any, if you if you read any of our Facebook comments, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in there. Okay. Ira, here they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where the interview, that's the direction went. Let me introduce you to some real jerks out there. Let me uh, take you to this. Yeah, Ira, you have a false perception of Christians yeah. being nice. The whole interview was just tagging Ira Glass in the comments on people's comments. <laughs> no, but, but he also actually, you know, he talked about the, even just the influence of, you know, how Jesus communicated has actually been influential mm-hmm. to him and how he produces This American Life and a lot of the projects he's worked on. It was it was a, a really well, fascinating I, I, here's some I, of his thoughts. I mean, he told us that we didn't know this. Uh, they actually gather in a prayer circle before every episode and uh, and relive the Last Supper. That's wow. uh, they reenact it. It's, yeah, I mean, the the pre show meeting takes like five hours. But, five hours. Uh, I mean, they all sit because they all sit on one side of the table because he learned yeah. that from Jesus. It takes a lot to pass. And, a lot of time. They all have sore necks. Can you pass the salt? And you got to go down. Two like hours later. Yeah. 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 I will say, I feel like a lot of storytellers in entertainment have an addiction to telling, or at least just the desire to tell. They do have a lot of addictions. It's a (laughs) terrible situation in Hollywood. Terrible situation. (laughs) But I feel like people are, want to tell like the good side of the story to like a villain. Like we, a lot of people enjoyed Breaking Bad because you were rooting for a villain because you kind of understood. Yes. Yeah. So I liked that. I mean, Ira Glass is getting people to understand the like positive side to Christianity, which yeah. is... And they'll listen to him because he's an atheist, mm-hmm. because he's an academic elite and NPR and all that. And and, 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 and he's seeing the mm-hmm. subversive opportunity that he has yeah. to build awareness and build bridges and build empathy even. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's so cool because in the American landscape, so many stereotypes exist about Christians and people can, you know, brush a really broad stroke over kind of faith in general. And with, you know, his platform, which is humongous, he tells a lot of the nuance uh, about like American faith. And so it's awesome. Yeah, he's one of those guys. He has no agenda other than to tell great stories. And Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that he's, you know, holding to. And that's what makes uh, a lot of what he says and produces so compelling. Also in the issue, Bastille, who is like killing it right now. I think they've had like five singles from this album. Uh, Coachella's lineup got announced this week and they're one of the major bands playing there as well. Uh, Bastille is in the new issue. Um, Johnny Swim, who's on the show today. And also Gunger on the culture side and music side gunger is an issue phenomenal story uh yeah, kind of telling a, a little different approach with right. gunger like it wasn't a music profile like mm. perhaps uh i mean well like a lot of our uh, music coverage is instead we, we take a look back at the past couple years uh that michael gunger and his wife have gone through um both well, creatively and helped, then helped plan a church and then lost it mm. moved yeah. to la uh, had a, a a terrible uh pregnancy situation and the health mm-hmm. of their daughter was born with down syndrome and all of that. And then all the, you know, Michael has a tendency to publicly ask questions <laughs> about faith and uh, yeah, he they got kind of a- annihilated for some things and, you know, quite a two years. And then on the other side of that, they, they released this trilogy of albums, uh, which just released the, the latest 
of and uh, it's uh, interesting to hear all of that and what went into the music yeah uh, kind of makes you hear it in a different way yeah there's also a really interesting interesting article called God's Economy and you know leading up to the election God's we, Economy question mark question mark yeah so <laughs> is it is God's it God's Economy, economy? <laughs> how does it work um, you know leading up to the election there were so many issues that surrounded economic uh, understanding of how like our, our systems work and it was it's really yeah, interesting socialism. Bernie Sanders it's super yeah. interesting because it like breaks it down to a level where you're just it's accessible you kind of learn something and honestly it, and we give you a special pin that you can read along with and, and at the end yeah. hey. <laughs> no, there's it's... a little question you fill in things as you go <laughs> no. No, it's true. Yeah. But it was, this was a huge topic of discussion this yeah. year because yeah. of the election cycle of socialism versus capitalism and it's kind and of a what's thing what's the biblical approach right. and well, does right. Jesus care like, well when you kind of look at a lot of but Jesus's teachings and biblical teachings, it's what we would deem socialism, yeah. you know? And, and so, but all the Christian right are all about economics and mm-hmm. capitalism. And it's kind of like, what? Wait, huh? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so we just yeah. kinda, That's kind of what got us going is I yeah. think, um, you know, like you said, the Christian right largely has been on the Republican side, which is, mm-hmm. you know, heavily free market, uh, pro free market. And then rolling, no Hollywood reporter did a study, uh, kind of at the hype or at the middle of the hype of the Bernie Sanders movement. Uh, and like 76% or something of the people they surveyed said that, if Jesus, um, if, if Jesus were involved, or if he were around today, he would vote for Bernie Sanders because Jesus was clearly a socialist. And these include Christians that he served. Yeah, no, but it does speak to an interesting dilemma that I think a lot of Christians are thinking about and have thought about at, in this election cycle. Uh, and and you know, and if this they article, are, they like, should be honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, because I mean, this is one of those issues that supersedes partisan politics or or, or your job, totally. your career, or whatever. Yeah. It's like when the Christian argument about immigration happens. Mm. Uh, well. I mean, I get that your political leaning or your TV channel that you watch might, you know, portray it one way, but the Bible actually, if you read it for what it says about the issues of immigration and nationalism, uh, very difficult to to rectify. And so this economics question and and money and capitalism, socialism is one of those tensions that does the Bible and politics or do, you know, do they match up? You know, and how and and, and one of the things I like just about the article and about the topic in general is, you know, so many of the issues we talk about here relevant are kind of like you're saying, Cameron, they they come down fairly black and white, you know, when we're talking about uh, issues of life, race, etc. I like uh, tackling a topic that uh, that that ultimately is comes down in some gray areas. We don't we don't walk around with a walk away with a clear like, oh, well, the Bible says you need to be a capitalist or a socialist. Mm. Right. Well, one right. of the right. great things about this issue is that you can come off an article that is, you know, really thinky and it's going to make you kind of question some of these big ideas and jump right into something really practical and a lot of fun that actually uh, Rebecca wrote about uh, 17 ways to make uh, mm. this this year the best ever, which is full Loved of practical it. and really fun advice. Um, uh, mm-hmm. l- l- you know, we're four, we're five days in. I'd like to give an update. I've done 16 of the 17 best five days ever. Just saying. <laughs> just, well, what's the I mean, outlier that was there, the plan. Cameron? That was the plan. Um, yeah, what's I, the 17th you haven't done? It, it, haven't, it's, yeah. it's, it's a 10 to This American Life Last Supper pre-production meal, and it's very that's, hard to get that's into. That's clearly going to be the hardest. <laughs> you got like 360 days to get it it's done. It's going to be so. like the Mecca pilgrimage. I did join a book club because of reading this article. So thank you, Rebecca. Yeah. Well, this was a lot of fun to write because I, you know, we all have goals at the beginning of the year, and then it's like, ugh, so overwhelming to get through the week and fall behind and not really know where to start. So here you can just like open it up, just close your eyes, pick one and do that one. And each day you can just start. I have a question, a little technical question to the author. Um, the, the, the one, the suggestion, uh, number, number 12, 
become a mentor to kids in your community. Mm. Would my role here at Relevant with you guys be like that? Would that qualify? Because if so, that might be 17 for 17. <laughs> Cameron, I, I, think that would, I think we need to assign you to a ragtag team, little league team. That's true. <laughs> you know, that, that nobody wants. The outcasts, yeah, the losers. <laughs> they got no chance of winning a game this Chubby season. Kids, I did ask for an for outing sports. to Coachella yesterday. That is so, true. Yeah, you know, it's I'll a mentorship it. retreat it. where several of us, I'll just take <laughs> the kids in our community under my wing. We'll go out to Coachella together. Yeah. I'm with Jesse. I feel like you need to revive a youth league sports team and turn them into champions. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. So I'm still 16 for yeah, 17. Yeah. All right. But, okay. We'll give you 16 uh, and a half on that Another one. thing, you know, speaking of ways to improve your life in the new year, another piece that I thought was really great. This issue was the loss of creating margin, which is something that, mm. uh, you know, a lot of people talk about in a way that is like, oh, this is like a practical thing I need to do to kind of enjoy my day better. But this piece breaks down not only the practical aspect, but the spiritual aspect and how it's sort of built yeah. into, uh, you know, what God desires for our life with this whole idea of, of Sabbath and, um, you know, time to reflect and time to rejuvenate. But it also gives you really practical ways to do it in the new year. Um, which I think is a really important thing, especially especially in like a, a, a January, uh, February issue where people are, are thinking about how to become more efficient and do things that they want to do mm-hmm. is to also remember that this idea of creating margin isn't just one that's going to be have be beneficial for your mental and probably physical health, but it's also something that we're mandated to do spiritually. And this article really breaks that down. And in the next issue, we cover the lost art of creating margarine. So it's just like a precursor. <laughs> Kind of like it's actually the cover story. Yeah. I don't know. Cameron, can we give that away? The margarine? The big double issue? You're about to bring in the jokes. Bring in the comedic heat. Wow. Like, the, double issue. the margarine double issue. <laughs> Rebecca, I know you're excited. You've been working about a year on this thing. I have, so, yeah. I've done a lot of research. Before you yeah. 30,000 words. Buying a lot of, you can't believe it's not butter. Earth balance. That's the whole sidebar. Different people in the office who could and couldn't believe yeah. it's not butter. And they, I'll say there's no, there's no images in this. We filled every, every portion of space with words. We had no space for images. This is a long story about margin. Quite a spread. <laughs> Three columns. Oh. 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 journalism joke? I had That's no great. idea what you were going to say, That's but I knew Jesus you take the wheel right there. Just sit no. on it. Yeah. The show's done. The, oh, yeah. We're in the segment of High Note. Drop the mic. We're done. Go get the yeah. new show relevant. Bye, everybody. Uh, the issue is out now. If you own a tablet device, you can go to your app store and experience it. There's a lot more content uh, than that. Uh, Lauren Daigle's in there. Matt Chandler's in there. There's a bunch of great Van stuff. Oh, it's show Baraka. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a really Chocolate. diverse, fun, <laughs> entertaining lineup. Challenging. The whole gamut. It's a yeah. good stuff. You want now, here's the deal, though. You know that going out on a high note thing, I kind of feel like that's what we're doing with the magazine, with this issue, mm. because mm. the next issue, mm. the March issue, mm. some mm. big changes are afoot. Huge. And uh, so this format irrelevant, just pinnacle right here. This yeah. is the peak. It peaked. It peaked. We're going to blow it up. Mm. So stay tuned for those big changes. We'll be talking more about that leading up to the March issue. But uh, go get this one. Uh, subscribe now at relevantmagazine.com. You can get get it for just six bucks for six months. And so we'll, affordable. And we'll add this issue for free. So um, normally it wouldn't, like it would kick in with the next issue, your your half year subscription. Uh, but we're going to send you this fourth one as a it's bonus four. right now. So you four will get issues four for issues bucks. for six bucks, a buck fifty an issue. So go uh, go get that now. Okay, thanks for joining us, guys. Stay tuned. Bye, Up next, feedback. Cause I got that wanderlust. 
Let's go somewhere we can fall in love Somewhere far from here Baby, let's go far from here Bangladesh in the cow Hong Kong Ooh, I wanna take you there I wanna take you there Summer in the fall, Sweden in the fall Baby, we should go someday We should go someday You're listening to Black Party Not to be confused with Block Party Very different group the song is Wanderlust, which every millennial has. <laughs> well, it's time for your feedback. Uh, we usually kick off feedback with corrections and apologies. Um, and this is when I, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge Bleepgate. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And do you want to preemptively so, apologize yeah. for the prosthetic leg jokes, or we just wait till next week? <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and just say sorry now. That happened moments ago. I immediately regret it, but uh, nothing can be done. It's a, yeah, it's a, it was regrettable. We've learned a lot since then. We've grown as people. We won't tussle his hair again. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So uh, a couple episodes ago, our good friend Eddie Koffeltz was on here with us, and mm-hmm. twice on the episode <laughs> happened, and the internet is all a Twitter wondering what did Koffeltz say. Yeah, there's th- fan theories. The dark web is just lit up over this, and um, I'm not going to tell you what he said, <laughs> um, but Eddie did. After he listened to the show, Eddie did um, uh, text me and he say, "What did I say?" And, and, mm. and then I I reminded him, and uh, he's like. You know, which was unnecessary censorship because it's way funnier. The mystery is funnier. And he said, I do have a reputation, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So I apologize to Eddie for us unnecessarily bleeping him. Mm. Uh, Chandler came to me while he was editing the show and he said, hey, there's this thing. What should we do with it? I don't want to take it totally out because it led to this other thing, which is funny. And I was like, well, just bleep him. So we both laughed (laughs) and he did. Yep. And there you go. So it wasn't as bad Mm. as some of the conspiracy theories are alluding to. It was funnier bleeped. We'll just leave it at that. So sorry to Eddie. Not not like the time that he broke into an just an unbroken 10 minute string of random unconnected swear words that got more and more scatological. Right. No, we left yeah, that, that in. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fine. That's gold. You don't lose that. Yeah. 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 We bleeped out wine, but we left in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, on that note, okay. So it's time for your feedback. This is normally where we would ask you or read your feedback from the question of the week. Uh, but last week was our best of 2016 episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for everybody for listening to that, by the way. And mm-hmm. um, we got a lot of positive feedback and we enjoyed seeing your comments. Um, it was a crazy year and um, a lot of amazing uh, guests came through the studio and it was fun kind of reliving that with you guys. But because it was the best of, we didn't have a question of the week. So um, this week, instead of reading your feedback, we'll just move straight on to this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Well, if you stuck around... Uh, if you're listening to this earlier in the show, we were talking about thrift stores Mm -hmm. and uh, the weirdest thing you've ever gotten at a thrift store. So we want to know 
the, what is the weirdest thing you've ever acquired at a thrift store or the weirdest thrift store item that you've seen, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to tell us your feedback, um, you can go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and post your stories in the comments area there. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and we will uh, read our favorite replies on the show next week. Might even may- maybe have peop- some of them call in <laughs> so we can ask them more. Yeah. Because I think this could get pretty strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, bonus points. If you actually send the item <laughs> in <laughs> agreed. Well, many thanks to Johnny swim for joining us. Uh, make sure to check out the article with them in the brand new issue of relevant. And also, uh, don't miss their new album. It's out now called Georgia Capond. Uh, we, if you listen to our top 50 episode, we named it one of our favorite albums of the year and it's phenomenal. Uh, they're great people and go support great artists. There you go. Yeah. And please, if you're insulting Michael Phelps, please <laughs> call him Johnny Swim. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, if you like see him at a Burger King or something, just be like, hey, what's up, Johnny Swim? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you think, you think yeah. something special, Johnny Swim? Yeah. J- j- just taunt him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice onion rings, Johnny Swim. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. You can swim everybody better than everybody. Cool. Whatever, Johnny Swim. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice PC laptop, Johnny Swim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the new issue of Relevant is out now. Uh, if you have a tablet, full size tablet device, go over to your app store. You can download the new issue there. Uh, if you are around the Barnes and Noble or other awesome uh, magazine retailers, go check out uh, the new stand edition. Um, and you can also subscribe and go online, go to relevantmagazine.com right now. We're running a New Year's special where you can get six months of the magazine for only six bucks, and we're going to throw in a bonus extra issue included. It says four copies of the magazine for only six bucks, buck fifteen issue. It basically what it costs us to print it. So take advantage of our business stupidity and go subscribe <laughs> to Relevant. We don't understand how economics works. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to pay rent, but please get our magazine. Um, and yeah. I'll say this, uh, uh, this again makes no economic sense, but uh, for this issue only, uh, for this deal only, interesting trades from the thrift store will be accepted. <laughs> specifically looking for prosthetics and live ferrets. So just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind as you're, you know, rooting through your stuff. I'm looking for yeah. live animals here in exchange for magazines. Continue, Cameron. Rollermagazine.com slash subscribe to get that offer. Um, hey, if you're online, go uh, and you enjoy the show. Uh, that's an important caveat. Go over to iTunes and leave a review. Uh, when you guys review the show, even though there's 10, 11 years of reviews there when there's fresh ones added. It helps boost the visibility of the program and uh, find new listeners. So we appreciate your feedback and reviews at iTunes. And on that note, we will wrap it up. Uh, thanks for joining us, Adam. Dude, this is awesome. Uh, Eddie will be back next week, but it's fun that uh, that you know for one one more time, uh, Adam was able to glass Eddie and uh, <laughs> sidle up That's and take his. What spot. I'm constantly waiting to do because I feel like he kind of glassed me to, to get where he is. That's true. I'll say this: Eddie has been food poisoned numerous times uh, in the last few months, and we're actually getting concerned about him. So we'll figure out another method. We'll figure out another method to get Sean. But uh, <laughs> well, it's that v- it's the vegan potato yeah. salad doesn't yeah, keep it's, the I mean, same he's as the other potato salads and he keeps right leaving now. it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Eddie. Oh, we miss him. Here, here's another part <laughs> from Australia. 
That's it. You'd think he'd stop eating potato salad at some point, you know, but he just he just doesn't learn. Old old potato salad Kaufman, that's what we call him. <laughs> we call him potato salad he, Kaufman, he, even though he that's literally not his cannot last help name. himself because he's potato salad. He knows it's rancid. He knows what illness is coming, but I'll say this Adam makes a very mediocre potato salad and uh Eddie cannot help himself. <laughs> well, that's and, consistent. And, and the thing is, is Adam keeps mailing it to him from Australia, which is how it gets right mm. rancid every time. The dry ice, he doesn't put enough in there, and it's gone by the time it hits Hawaii. So you know, the entire rest of the journey is just turning. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that potato salad's been on a cargo ship for the last three weeks, Eddie. Yeah. But if there's one thing potato salad Kaufman can't uh, pass up, it's... It's, it's, it's potato salad that's been in the hull of a poorly ventilated ship. For two years. It's got a problem. He loves this stuff. He just loves it. Well, it has that kind of seafood flavor because of its uh, cargo ship passage. You know, it's- yeah. I mean, you don't know. I mean, some, sometimes it tastes like diesel fumes because it's been sitting next to a you know shipload a bunch of trucks. I mean, Adam Adam ships it the cheapest possible way with zero care for the for the you know contents of the package, which happens to be. Already spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's going to get worse. Oh All right, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chelsea Steele. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Adam Smith. And we'll see you next week, unless somebody glasses us. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. While nobody else relies When they turn the I would hate to see any of them get glassed in the future.